The all-new mix, 99.3. Steve Hayes, and a pleasure to bring back an old friend on the show this morning. And uh, can't get enough of this guy, the big guy of rock and roll. Good morning, Peter Rivera. Hey, Steve. How you doing, man? Good morning, everyone. Yes. Well, I'm doing great because you're coming to our town Saturday night again. You know, we the, are. Yeah, looking forward to it. Problem is, I mean, you've come back so soon since you were here for River Days, you may, they may try to get you to pay taxes. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> why not? I'm paying them everywhere else. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the Classic Rock All-Stars, of course, you guys uh, rocked us on the river in the fall to just an unbelievable crowd. I think we had about 25,000 people on the riverbank that night, Pete. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was a great night, yeah. And uh, you're know. back again. And, of course, now have you and Dennis DeYoung ever uh, crossed paths out there? I think he mentioned one time you guys played an out, outdoor show here a couple years ago. Yeah, I, well, you know, sometimes I go out and do shows with uh, some other people, and there are lots of different singers and stuff there. And I, Sure, yeah, Dennis, for sure. I can't remember all the circumstances about where it was and all that, but, uh, yeah, uh, I was I was with him. And, uh, what? I know it must have been a good time. Yeah, this is our 10th anniversary of Wendy's Old Fashioned Rock and Roll <laughs> House Party. And uh, you know, you guys have uh, been together about 15, 16 years. Tell us how the, the All-Stars came together, because it's quite a concept. Oh, well, I had, uh, I had quit the road in 1990 because my kids were born, and I didn't want to leave, uh, leave them. And so I wasn't out there. And uh, Jerry uh, Corbetta, Sugarloaf, and Mike Panera, uh, Blues Image, Iron Butterfly, they were together in a show called The 30 Years of Rock. This was about 1991. And they were kind of tired of that. It was a bus tour, lots right. of singers, all that. <laughs> and they, so they spun off of that, and they got together and said, called me and said, hey, why don't we uh, talk about having a band here because we've all had uh, hit records. We could do each other's records and kind of call it uh, Classic Rock All-Stars. And so I said, ah, well, okay, why not? So we uh, did a couple of shows, and it was fun, and pretty soon we had agents saying, you know, that they wanted to book us here, book us there. So we kind of just evolved into being a band, and we kept accepting shows. And a year was over, we went, hey, guess what? We paid our bills and everything, so this is not a bad thing. So we went the next yeah. year, and the next year, pretty soon now, it's 17 years later. Well, you know, the chemistry of you guys on stage, and there's a lot of bands out there, and I write a column, and I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago about how many go through the motions. But you guys are infectious, and it's obvious to see you're genuinely having a great time out there. We do have a good time. You know, it's a, it's a very unique band. I mean, when, when, when we do a Rare Earth song and I'm singing, everybody plays as though they're Rare Earth. And then when we do Sugarloaf, I enjoy playing for Jerry because I, I liked his music. So I give what I got to give to him in support of him. And I think that that's the underlying thing is that we support each other in our in the various songs that we do. And that's kind of a good feeling. And we've all learned through the, you know, the hard knocks of life, being in bands and our own bands, where the pitfalls are, uh, you know, when it comes to egos and things. So we try to stay away from all that and just uh, go on out there and, and have a good time because the people enjoy what we do because they were hit records. Right. And we're happy to do those, you know. I mean, we're very flattered and grateful for our careers and uh, thankful. So it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling. I mean, it's it's not all perfect all the time, but it's a whole lot better than <laughs> anything I've been involved in all my life. And so we do have a great time playing. And when the fans respond, 
Well, that's gratifying. Yeah. So, you know, after all these years, uh, we're just real grateful for being there. So that, I think that uh, keeps us going in the right direction. Well, you are a pioneer at several different levels, and I'm going to brag on you a little bit. Of course, you were the first uh, rock group I can remember that had an album where one song took up an entire side. <laughs> and the other yeah. thing is the first rock group ever signed to Motown. Uh, tell us how that came about. Well, we were a club band in Detroit, but we were in the, we were in the best club in the city because we had a really good band. And Motown was there, of course, in Detroit. And <clears throat> Motown was primarily a black record company, and, and black radio and, and R and B that was that. And uh, you know, different bands tried to penetrate that uh, armor, but couldn't do it. But they had a president of the company, and he was a white guy. He convinced Barry Gordy, the owner of Motown. He says, "Look." We need to get into this rock stuff because that's when FM radio came out and college radios and they were playing all the, the cream and all the stuff from England. And uh, So he convinced Barry to open up a division in the rock market. And so right place, right time for us, I guess. And they brought us in there to record. And all we really did on our first album was record songs that were the, the most popular in the clubs. Right. And uh, we actually recorded our first album, the Get Ready album, and the engineer looked at us after. We were, like, done. We had done about six, seven songs. <laughs> we said, we don't know what else to do. And he goes, well, you know, we're ten minutes short. <laughs> we said, oh, man, why don't we do this? So we went back and we said, well, let's take Get Ready, and let's put these solos in there. Oh, man. And first it'll be guitar, and then the sax, and then I'll take a drum solo, and we'll just keep going. And keep your eye on Bob Olson in the control room. When he nods his head, we've got enough time, and we'll come out of it by going into the last chorus, get ready, and blah, blah, blah. So that's what we did. And uh, wow. we didn't know, you know, that album was done, and nobody played it. It was six months later. We thought, okay, this is, <clears throat> we really bombed out here. But Barney, the president of Motown, he had the foresight to take get ready and make a three-minute single out of it. Man. And he put it out, and all of a sudden it was played in Washington, then Baltimore, then Atlanta, and it started slowly, but it came out in, into the uh, R&B areas, and uh, kind of got tagged as this blue-eyed soul from Motown, and it took a, a long time, but the record eventually crossed over to the rock market and spread all over the country and the world, and we sold millions of albums, and we were on our way. But it didn't look like it at first. It looked like it was yeah. uh, dead in the water. Now, are you telling me that, that that long one side of the record, that was all a free-form rock jam, basically? It, it definitely was. We wow. Went from, we did the, if you listen to that, you'll hear the first verse, second verse, the bridge, Man. and the third verse, and then <laughs> it goes into a bass solo. Yeah. And so I bet... So it was, okay, John, you'll do bass, and then out of that... When you come back down to just a straight old rhythm, then all of a sudden we'll, the guitar will come in, and we kind of nodded at each other. Okay, you, you go, you go, you go. And, uh, you know, that's how it was done. Well, that's one of the greatest uh, pieces of music, I think, ever. And uh, I remember the first time, I, I think I went through like three or four of the albums, to be quite honest, uh, Peter, uh, no. Peter Peter Rivera of Rare Earth here this morning. But uh, I, I think when you when you, you know, look at the history of rock and roll, uh, that, that was one of the more important pieces because what I'm about ready to tell you now is that I, don't, I think you guys, I, I give you credit, I've been in radio a long time, kind of invented the thing called anthem rock, which uh, is kind of a phrase used today. But back then, Rare Earth, and I look at that song, 
in particular was like the beginning of that. Well, you know, it was an unusual thing. Nobody would play that uh, 21-minute version until it hit the FMs. And then the jocks loved it because they could put that record on and they could go outside in the parking lot with their girlfriends or whatever. <laughs> they knew they had 20 minutes. So they loved playing it. You know, oh, yeah. Like, there there, there like were a, a few... A few guys I know would go out and get herbally refreshed to finish their show, if you know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, I know. It was crazy back yeah, then. Crazy, weird times. So the yeah. only other song that was long like that was Indigata DeVita, which was 18 minutes long, but yeah. we came with the 21-minute thing. And, and uh, you know, as far as an anthem, yeah, I mean, that Get Ready thing, it's 35 years later, <laughs> and that song is still played. And so is I Just Want to Celebrate. In fact, I was just in an AT&T commercial for weeks here, and then two years ago in a Gatorade commercial. So those songs keep surfacing, and it's fine with me, you know, keep them surfacing. Sure. So. Well, another song you do in your act, which uh, was way, way, way before its time, but uh, now you look back at it and it's as relevant today as, as, as Hey Big Brother. That song, when it first came on, uh, and I know you, you make references to it then from the from the book from George Orwell, but, man, I'll tell you what, did you ever think you'd see a time when uh, everybody could, I mean, you were, we were just talking about YouTube here a few minutes ago where everybody can see anybody at any given time. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing that uh, sometimes when you record a song, I mean, like Hey Big Brother, you know, and then all of a sudden socially that becomes kind of in fashion again about the government and all that stuff that's going on and uh well no we didn't know at the time we just thought hey this is big brother was a buzzword back then right sure was you know people in the music business they tend to get on buzzwords you know like we our second album was called ecology it really had nothing to, songs had nothing to do with the ecology, but ecology was a buzzword, so it was named ecology. <laughs> you know, those are just little things you, uh, you know, little marketing things you do. But Hey Big Brother was, uh, you know, it was a cool tune, and uh, it talked about, it talked about uh, Big Brother the way, you know, we all agreed with it, so we recorded it. We didn't know that, uh, you know, it'd still be relevant after all these years. Well, a lot of your songs, and that I've said this before, that uh, your stuff is timeless. And, uh, you know, you go back to, to music, a good song is a song that if you didn't know when it was recorded uh, and you still enjoy it as much today as you did uh, then, and uh, yeah. I have to think most of your stuff falls into that category. Well, we also come from an era where bands actually played back then. They were not assisted with synthesizers, sampling, right. all the computers and everything. It was... You had a bass player, guitar player, drummer, keyboard player, sax player, some guy beating out a tambourine, and then a percussionist. And you worked out in a in a room, and you rehearsed, and you learned how to play all these songs, and you practiced and practiced, and then you recorded them. And it was, you know, you're feeding off of each other, and it's the five, it's five or six of you coming together, all on the same plane, the same vibe, and that's how a record got recorded back in those days. Now. I mean, now they can build it through technology, and and uh, and we do a little of that now too. You know, in our writing and stuff, you know, demos right. and things. But there's nothing for me like sitting around with a bunch of musicians and and you know making music based on you know you know all getting the same vibe and contributing and bouncing off each other. That for me is where it's at. It always will be. 
Well, you also and, came uh, from a uh, an, an era which is long gone, I'm afraid, which was uh, playing the outdoor festivals, the outdoor music events, and you yeah. you were so good at that. I I, I know I've seen uh, videos of you in front of hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, that had to be a great rush back then to, to to bring your music to that many people live right in front of you. Well, it was. It, it wasn't always the best of acoustics and things, but seeing that many people just. I mean, it makes you come outside yourself, right. and uh, it's a funny thing. I have to chuckle when I see some of those videos because the tempos were really fast <laughs> because we were we were we were amped. Oh yeah, you got three hundred thousand people there, and you go, you know, it's like a game. You, you say, I got to score this touchdown here. I can't carry the ball down to the three yard line. We got to go in. Come on, let's go! You know, and you get <laughs> fired up, and. Uh, then all of a sudden it's over and the people are screaming and you go, okay, well, it must have worked. Yep. Hey, Pete you know, Rivera of Rare Earth, so. let me ask you, of all the gigs and the thousands you've done, are, are there a couple that kind of st- stand out in your mind as as perhaps uh, the Super Bowl of uh, of your career? Well, I, th- I think uh, I would say the California Jam in Portsmouth, Ohio. <laughs> all right. We're right behind the California Jam? Well, I'll tell you what. Either way. I- I'll tell you what it is. What? Um, I don't have any particular one that was the favorite. There's just too many of them that were really good experiences. Right. And that has nothing to do with 300,000 or 1,000. It has to do with just connecting, and, and you give something from the stage, and then the crowd responds, and they give something back to you, and then you give to them, and they give back. And when that's happening... It's not about how big it is or how many people it is. That's I mean, good, good sure, 300,000 is quite impressive. It's also very distracting being that big, too. And, uh, mm-hmm. and intimacy in a smaller place sometimes is, is just as thrilling. You know, that's, I mean, that's them being honest with you. It, uh, you know, I played Madison Square Gardens. I played the Atlanta Pop Festival. And I played so many places and so many small places. And... Uh, just had a great time on most all of them. I, I, I don't remember too many duds, yeah. you know. And if they were duds, it was because I, I had a whole lot of static going on between my ears. It was certainly wasn't the, the place. So, But we've, you know, I've just really enjoyed the trip. It's been a, yeah. an unbelievable ride. Well, I've got, I've got to tell you, the reason you're back again is for that same reason that you just said, you know. Uh, the fans know you can't hide it from the fans, and when you guys are out there giving it your all and having fun, uh, and and I've seen you. This will be, I think, the fourth time, and and second time here in Portsmouth. And you know the the people in Portsmouth will let you know. Uh, what's right. And when we announced that you guys are going to be coming back again, uh, virtually everybody was just ecstatic because uh, a lot of people got a chance to see you, but other, others didn't get a chance to see you down at the riverbank. And I know they, they kind of split up your uh, – you you did two shows, basically, because we had the fireworks. But this is going to be a chance for you in an intimate environment, almost like uh-huh. sitting in somebody's living room, to, to come out and, and just blow the roof off the sucker. So we are indoors then, right? You are indoors, yes, sir. So oh, no good. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't mind, but I, I like that. That'll be fun. I like that uh, inside. Is it an auditorium? Is it like a theater auditorium? Yeah, I tell you what, it's a lot like Peter. It's a lot like the uh, Paramount Art Center that you played uh, a couple of years ago up in Ashland. Uh, oh, okay. it's, it's a lot like that. It's an acoustically perfect place, uh, and again, it only holds about a thousand, eleven hundred people. And so, yeah. it's it's going to be a great experience for you guys. And I'll tell you what, Portsmouth, Ohio, is ready for the classic rock all stars. Well, 
Well, we're ready for Portsmouth. We can't wait to get going here. <laughs> and it's an honor also having you on our 10th anniversary. Uh, we've had a lot yeah. of great names in the past. Uh, last year we had uh, uh, the Temptations Review. We've had Johnny Rivers, Mitch Ryder, um, Tommy James, and the Shondells, a lot of guys that have brought great music uh, to us. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you back as part of our uh, little alumni rock and roll family. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I've gotten emails from some people that are coming from distances and everything. So just really, uh, it's been a long, cold winter for everybody, and I'm glad we're popping out here and uh, going to kick it off. And just looking forward to jamming, man. All you right. Know, so I'll give it everything I got. Well, big guy, you always do, and it's going to be a pleasure to see you Saturday night on stage. So, uh, yeah. you know, you travel safe, and uh, we'll, we'll be ready to rock and roll. How's that sound? I sure will, man. We'll be there. All right. Peter Rivera from the Classic Rock All-Stars on the all-new mix, 99.3.